I'm going to be uh, talking to you this morning uh, about, I'm going to start a new series about how do we learn to be selfless people and be a selfless church. Uh, now, I said selfless, not selfish, uh, because human nature is just to be selfish, isn't it? Uh, it's not hard. If you want to live a selfish life, you don't really have to do anything, just be be yourself amen and we by human nature are just selfish i don't know about you but i i like myself amen and uh when it's time to uh when it's time to eat i want to eat what i want to eat amen uh brother martin and i went to lunch the other day i said brother martin what do you want to eat and he was telling me but really in my mind i was thinking what i wanted to eat amen and uh so uh, it's not hard to be selfish we we want to do what we want we want what we like uh you know it's uh, it's just one of those things of if you want to be a selfless person and put others before yourself, then you have to put yourself behind others. There's a little verse in the Bible that says that we are to treat others as more important than ourselves. Amen. And that's, that's easier said than done, isn't it? It's a lot harder to do that uh, and live that out. All right. So, but that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, each week I'm going to talk about a, a characteristic, a trait. Uh, but this one today I'm going to be talking about boldness. How do we grow in boldness? How do we become a bolder church? How do we become bolder believers? Now, you got to remember, I put this message together specifically because we was going to dedicate this building today, and I was going to give you the charge from on high. Amen? Well, guess what? We ain't dedicating the building, but I'm still going to give you the charge from on high. All right? But uh, I think uh, God makes no mistakes. He knows exactly what we need. So uh, I said, well, I can change the message. But I said, no, no, this, this is what God wanted, uh, even though we're not going to be able to dedicate the building. So I'm going to give you a charge today, all right? And I hope that you're ready for it. I hope you wore steel-toed boots because I'm going to try to step on your toes. But there's comfort in knowing that I'm stepping on my own toes before I'm stepping on yours. Amen? So how do I live and not be selfish? Uh, selfish and how do I be selfless, all right? So put that first slide up there, brother. It says, most of us... Instead of surrendering to God's will and what he wants, we see him as a tool to get us what we want. Do you notice that even, even in the way that we pray, we pray selfishly, don't we? We pray, we say, Lord, bless me. Lord, help me. Make me happier. Make my life easier. Uh, make me richer. Uh, make me, you know, it's everything. It's very easy in our prayer life to just become so totally centered on me, 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 me. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody knows your needs like you know your needs. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for help in all those areas. But sometimes that's the only way we pray. And we don't spend time praying for others and getting outside of ourselves and seeing, Lord, who do I need to pray for outside of my life? All right. And so we need to understand that God has called us to not just pray selfishly, but to pray for others. All right. And so in a, in a, a crowd this size, uh, even though we're down, we got a lot of sick folk. I'm here to tell you, we need to be focusing this morning on encouraging one another. I know what's going on in my life. Listen, and, and I told you all this last week, all of us have our own drama. We're all living our own little soap opera in our little world, and we live in our little bubble, amen? But here's the thing, is sometimes I need to remove myself from my soap opera, and I need to involve myself in your soap opera and say, what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? How can I strengthen you, amen? Because here's the bottom line is this, y'all. Uh, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, so I need to be involved in your life. Amen. Now, I don't need to know all your business. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to get all up in your business. Amen. But I am here to say, 
you're my brother, you're my sister. If, uh, the Bible says it this way, that I am to mourn with those who mourn. I am to weep with those who weep. I'm to rejoice with those who rejoice, amen? And so I'm supposed to be uh, involved enough in your life to say, what is your need? Can I, can I just be there with you and cry with you if you need somebody to come and cry with you? Can I just be there and be happy with you? In the, in the victories in life, I need to be there with you celebrating. Uh, in the hard times of life, I need to be there with you weeping and mourning, all right? Uh, I told y'all last week that sometimes, uh, you know, people are afraid to go to funerals or people are afraid to go to people uh, that are hurting. And uh, because, and I say, why, well, why would you be afraid of that? Well, many people, they're afraid because they say, I don't know what to say. And I told you last week, that's never going to matter. Those people in their grief are never going to remember what you said. But I tell you what they will remember. They will remember, you know, Brother Martin was here when I was hurting. Brother Mark was here when I was hurting. That person, uh, you know, Miss Julie or uh, Gail, whoever, they were here in my time of need. And they sat with me. They cried with me. They won't remember all the wonderful, uh, super intelligent things you said. Uh, and that's what people are worried about. And I'm here to tell you, the greatest way you spell love is T-I-M-E. Amen. And so I want to say that as your pastor today. I'm here for you. If you're looking for me to give you the most intelligent words of wisdom, you may be sorely disappointed. But I'm here to tell you one thing I can do is I can show up with you. I can cry with you. I can be there for you. I can wrap my arms around you, and I can let you know that I'm there for you. Amen. And I, I would say this to all of us together. That's what we need out of each other. We don't need great pearls of wisdom. We just need somebody to be there and love us and, uh, and be there for us in our time of need. All right. Okay. Many people, I find, give up on God because they say, well, I tried God, and I tried church, and it didn't work. And many people give up on God because they say, God didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted him to, or God didn't help me the way I wanted him to. And so many people say, well, I tried God. I tried church. I gave him one chance, and he didn't do it the way I liked it. And so that's it. I'm done. He ain't real. He don't work. All right. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Even if you just stop and think about that coming out of your mouth, that's a pretty stupid saying. Amen. God's answer, if you ask me a question... I usually have around three options. I have yes, I have no, I have maybe, and I might even say, well, not right now. You know, my kids used to ask me questions all the time. Those were the four options. And guess what? Yes was every once in a while. But more often than not, the answer was no, or not right now, or maybe later. All right? So guess what? We need to understand God we need to extend the same courtesy to God. God always, let me say this unequivocally, God always answers your prayers. Now, you may not like the answer, but you cannot just say, well, Martin doesn't exist. I asked Martin a question, and he didn't answer the way I wanted him to. So therefore, Martin does not exist in my life. Amen. That's stupid. Amen. We need to understand God has the same option. God is always there. God always answers your prayers. You just don't always like the answer. I don't always like the answer. Do you know that God is a very patient father? He understands that many times I'm a child and I'm going to be asking for things that are not good for me. I'm going to be asking for things that he knows and he can see the future. And he knows, Mark, you think you want that? But let me tell you, I can see the future and I see down the road and you really don't want that. 
Amen. So God understands that what I'm asking for sometimes I'm asking in immaturity. Amen. And I need to understand that many times in my immaturity, I will ask for things that I shouldn't be asking for, or I'm asking for them selfishly. And I need to understand that God is daddy. Listen, my daddy was a smart man. He wasn't a perfect father, but he was a smart man. Amen, Mimi. Amen. And uh, he didn't talk a lot. He was a man of few words, but he was one of those when you spoke. Did he say something? Everybody thought, did Floyd Trammell speak? Amen. What, what did he say? Amen. So he didn't say a lot, but when he spoke, everybody wanted to listen. Amen. And uh, I know that my dad, I didn't always like the answers he gave me growing up. As a teenager, especially as you get older, you're trying to exercise that freedom and your parents don't quite want to give you as much freedom as you think you ought to have. But listen, in the long run, I look back now and I say, you know what? My dad was just trying to protect me. My, God knew, uh, my uh, dad knew that there were things that I didn't need to be out. One of the wisest things my dad ever told me, and if you've ever been told this as a teenager, you'll know what I'm talking about. My dad used to tell me this one. You be in by midnight. Nothing good ever happens after midnight. Amen. You ever heard that one? And that used to infuriate me when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, because by then I had wheels and I was like, well, I got wheels. Why can't I come in after midnight? But my dad told me something and I saw many of my friends and almost everything that happened bad when people got in trouble happened after midnight. Amen. And so my dad knew, and as much as that infuriated me, and as much as I didn't like the answer, I look back on it now and I know my dad, he wasn't trying to spoil my fun. He was trying to protect me. Amen. And that's all your heavenly father. Listen, he is a good, good father. Amen. He's a good, good daddy. And he loves you. He has your best interest at heart. Trust him. Don't say, well, I don't believe in you, or I'm not going to live my life for you anymore because I don't like the way you answered me. That is a ridiculous, ridiculous statement. He loves you more than you could ever imagine, and he has your best interest at heart. Amen. All right, let's look at the first scripture. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Where'd my, I put my coffee way back here. Hang on. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Matthew 16, 24 says this, and Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, many people don't read this verse all the way because the very first thing it says, we get the take up your cross part, but many times we, we don't read the first part. Before you take up your cross, you need to do something else. What is it? Let him deny himself. I don't like reading that. I don't even, that's... That's not pleasant. I don't want to deny myself. I want what I want. My flesh wants what the flesh wants. Amen. If you remember, there was a saying in the 70s uh, that basically said, you know, do whatever you want to. Basically, the saying was, if it feels good, do it. All that saying is my flesh wants it. I just want to satisfy my flesh. All right. But this scripture is saying you're going to have to learn to take up your cross. And before you ever pick up that cross, you're going to have to learn to say no to yourself. That is not easy, is it? It's not easy to say no to yourself. It's not easy to deny yourself. Now, what does saying, denying yourself mean? You see this belly right here? This belly means I eat too much. This belly means that there are some things that I stick in my mouth I should say no to. I should deny myself. Amen. 
If I want to be healthier, if I want to be in better shape, let's take working out. Uh, is working out one time enough? No. Is, is it hard to get to the gym? Many people say this, you know, it's not hard once you get there, but the hard part is getting there. It's telling yourself, I know I need to, and I'm going to deny what I really want to do is lay here in this bed, but I need to get up and I need to go down to the gym. All right. It's learning to deny yourself. It's a little thing and it's a dirty word to me and it's probably a dirty word to you. It's called self-discipline. And I'll be honest with you, I struggle with it. Do you struggle with it? I see I'm not alone. All right. Self-discipline. And all self-discipline is learning to tell yourself, no, you don't need that. Or you do need to get up and go do this. All right. Self-discipline. All right. Uh, all right. So let's see here. Um, yeah, go ahead and put the next slide up there. Selfless prayers. Uh, instead of praying, bless me, give me, uh, Let's turn our prayers around this way. Use me to reach more, even if I'm laughed at or ridiculed. Use me to serve others, even if it makes me uncomfortable. All right, next one. Enable me to give more, even if I have to make sacrifices. Enable me to do everything for your glory, even if it pushes me. All right, all right. And uh, is that the last one? Okay, good. All right, so... Um, I'm sorry, y'all. I need uh, I need bifocals, but I'm just too proud. Amen. So I keep moving my glasses around to try and see what I'm doing. So the disciples. Let's look at the twelve disciples. You remember those, those guys? They had been with Jesus for three years. They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him heal sick people. They'd seen him open the eyes of the blind, uh, open the ears of the deaf, and even raise the dead. But then what happened? One day. And Jesus kept warning him this time was coming, but he said, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to have to give my life. And then one day Jesus actually did die on the cross. He was put in a tomb and he was literally dead for three days. So what do you think happened to those disciples? They got very, very scared. They were really brave when Jesus was with them. But then all of a sudden one day, and he'd been trying to warn him it was coming, but one day it actually happened, and Jesus was nailed to a cross. He died, and he was put in a tomb, and he literally laid there in, in the tomb for three days. So he's dead for three days. So what do you think happens to all these guys that are following Jesus? They poured their life into Jesus, and now their leader is gone. He's dead, and I thought he was bringing a kingdom. I thought he was going to rule and reign, and I thought he was going to do all this, and now he's, he's dead, and he's laying in a tomb fixing a stink. And this is what those uh, disciples thought, all right? Let's see what happened. To go to the scripture, verses uh, John 20, verses 19 and 20. And it says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood in the midst and he said to them, peace be with you. All right. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So they were scared to death when they think he's dead. But guess what? He didn't stay dead. And on the third day, he arose. And in the verses we just read, he shows back up at the house where they're all at. And he says, peace be with you. I'm still here with you. It's exa it happened exactly like I told you it would happen, but you didn't believe it was going to happen. And it happened exactly like I told you. And then he shows them the wounds in his hands. He shows them the spear wound in his side. And he proves to them that he is exactly who he says he is. All right. And guess what happens when Jesus shows back up? 
all of a sudden they get brave again. The verses we read before said they were cowering in their houses for fear of the Jews. They were in great fear of the people who had just killed Jesus because they thought we're next. We were following him and they're going to come kill us now. So they were all hidden in a house cowering and fearful because their leader was gone. He was dead. Well, guess what? Jesus shows back up again and all of a sudden they're brave again. All right. So let's kind of take this and make this for you and I. How do we increase our boldness? How do we increase our bravery? Without Jesus, you're going to be fearful. You're never going to have the power to do the things that you need to do. Without Jesus in your life and without the power of Jesus in your life, you can do nothing. Amen? Amen. But what can we do with the power of Jesus? And when the Holy Spirit shows up in our life, we can do anything. All things are possible. Amen. So it's true in the disciples' life, and it's true in your life and my life. With Jesus, anything is possible. Without Jesus, nothing is possible. All right? So we need to understand that. Uh, The disciples all of a sudden went from selfish to selfless, and they went from timid to bold. So let's see what happens. Jesus shows up, and then he gives them the great commission, and he shoots to heaven. Amen? And he says, I'm not going to be here. I got to go. Why do I got to go? Because there's this one guy called the Holy Spirit. He's the third part of the Trinity. And Jesus tells them, I have to leave so that the Holy Spirit can show up. Now, I'm here to tell you, we all probably would sit here and say, I sure wish I could walk with Jesus again. But Jesus says, no, you don't. Jesus says, I was limited. I was in flesh form and I could only be one place at one time. I was limited. But I have to leave. So guess what? One more powerful than me can show up. I have to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come up and he will have the ability to work in your life and my life and your life and your life and your life and your life all at the same time, simultaneously, amen. The Holy Spirit can fill this building and fill every believer in this building at the same time, amen. So the power of the Holy Spirit needs to come. So let's see what happened in Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 13, all right? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, uh, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they, I want you to underline this if you're in your paper Bible or underline it on your phone, however you need to do it. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. That's the difference. They had been with Jesus. Since they were untrained, uneducated, most of them were fishermen. Uh, you know, they were, they were just regular guys, regular Joes. And now Peter and John are standing up. And you know who they're preaching to? They're preaching to a bunch of Sadducees and Pharisees who are the smartest people on religion in the land. And they are schooling them. 
And it says that they were amazed at how these men, the boldness with which they spoke and the authority with which they spoke. So all of a sudden, the disciples got extremely bold because guess what? In the second chapter of Acts, we kind of skipped over that and went to chapter four. But in the second chapter of Acts, the Holy Spirit showed up and it started to fill all those disciples. And they started to preach with more boldness than they ever had. Amen. Guess who'd been doing the preaching before Jesus went away? Jesus. Jesus was doing most of the preaching. But Jesus knew this. I've got to go away so that you can start to do the work. As long as Jesus knew, as long as he was there, those 12 guys were not going to be empowered. But he knew that he had to leave so that the disciples could be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's the same thing with you and I. It would be wonderful if Jesus was physically here and we could physically walk with him. But guess what? We would not have the same power that you and I have today. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is what enables you and I to step out in boldness and to preach in boldness and to do everything with boldness. And I want to say the, the thing that God has called us to here at Landmark Baptist Church uh, with this new building, with everything that's going on, even with a pandemic, even with people sick all over the place is that we are not to shrink back. If anything, we are to be bolder now than we've ever been. And you may say, well, I'm afraid, I'm scared. I'm scared of the current political situation, or I'm scared of the current physical situation because of the sickness and this pandemic, or I'm scared of this and I'm scared of that. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is calling us to step out in boldness, amen? He is calling us to step out in boldness. You may say, well, I'm scared though. What if it gets harder? It probably will get harder. The only way you're going to get bolder is it's going to get harder. So my commission to you is, today is it's not time now to shrink back. It's not time now to say, well, you know, now's a good time to leave Landmark. They got everything settled. We got that building built. I think I'm going to go down the road and do something else. I'm going to go to a big church where I can sit on the back row and I don't have to do nothing. Or I can uh, do this. I'm, I'm here to tell you the commission is out that never is a time where we need to be shrinking back and going away. We need to be moving towards the front. Amen. And we need to be mo moving towards the front of what God God has called us to do. Can you go to a large church and get lost in it and sit on the back row and nobody will ever know your name and nobody will ever ask you to do anything? Yes, you can do that. Is that what you need to do? Is that what you've been called to do? No, 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 and no. Amen. And a lot of people want to say, well, you know, I've been looking for a good time. Listen, churches are like everything else. People are squirrely. People don't want to commit to nothing. And so people are looking for any good excuse to bail. And I'm saying this as a preacher, and I'm saying this, I know that even in the midst of exciting things happening, dedicating a building, doing this, somebody will see it as an opportunity to bail. They say, oh God, you know, Brother Mark, he's preaching hard now, and that means he's going to be asking for people to do something, so I probably need to go find me a place where I can kind of just blend into the woodwork. Amen. And I would say to you, never, never, never. God didn't call any of us to sit on the bench or to watch the game. God called us all to be in the game. We are all called, and we don't need to shrink back. We need to move forward. Amen. If you've been looking for your opportunity to leave Landmark, I would say, and listen, I know this. This isn't the only church here. There are plenty of great churches in town. But I'm here to tell you, don't you dare leave here and go get lost somewhere else where you can just sit on the back row and blend into the bed woodwork and nobody will ever know your name. 
Listen, there is something to be said for going to a church where I know your name and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And if I have a need, I need to call you. Amen. And I know that you'll be there and I know you'll respond to me. But guess what? You go to some uh, to a mega church, you ain't going to get that. Amen. And that's what a lot of people think they want. But that's not what you want because God has called us to be soldiers in an army, not to be spectators on the side of a field. All right. So. I told you, steel toe boots, amen? All right, so let me finish it up. How do we grow in boldness? Number one, spend more time with Jesus. Here's the scripture, Acts 4, 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. The key is not for you to be smart. The key is not for you to be trained. The key is not for you to be educated. The key is for you to be with Jesus. That is the key and the only key. Listen, uh, you know, I went and I got a little bit of education. I got a, something hanging on my wall says I went and did this, and uh, it's supposed to give credit that I'm smarter than I think I am. Amen. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, the older I get, the opposite happens. The dumber I realize I am. And it doesn't have anything to do with how educated I am. You can go to seminary till you're blue in the face, and guess what? You'll have all the book knowledge in the world, but I've seen some guys, they don't have the power of God upon them. They come out of seminary after four years, and they're deader than a hammer. Because all the knowledge in the world will not save you. All the knowledge in the world will not set you free. All the knowledge in the world will not put the power of God upon you. Only being with Jesus, spending time with Jesus. Amen. What is the key word here today? Invest yourself. You need to invest yourself in the power of Jesus Christ in your life. And you need to invest yourself in being a part of the body of Christ and being active in a church. Amen. Now, I would even be bold enough to say this. If you can't get on the same page here and get involved here, then by all means, go down the road and find where you can plug in and get involved. All right. I'm saying you just don't need to sit on the sidelines. Go wherever you need to go and you get in the game and you get plugged in and you do what you need to do. All right. Um, who was God using? Ordinary, regular, unschooled people who had spent time with Jesus. Number two, ask God to make you more bold. Simple little scripture says this, you have not because you, you have not because you. So if you want to be more bold, pretty simple, right? Just ask him. Amen. I would say this. Sometimes I think we're too timid in our prayers. Now, I know I just talked about praying selfishly, but it's okay. If you want a godly, if you're a single person, you want a godly mate, ask him for a godly mate. Now, hear me. Don't ask him for some doofus that don't know God from a hole in the wall. Amen. Pray for a godly, a godly, so God to send you somebody godly. All right. But ask him for it. All right. There's nothing wrong in asking. For that. I think God would honor that. He wouldn't even see that as a selfish prayer. He'd say, thank you for asking. I will send you that. All right. Uh, if you want boldness, ask him. If you want some, if you have a need in your life, ask him. You have not because you Ask not. All right. Okay. So ask the Lord to make you more bold. Acts 4, 29 says this. Now, Lord, 
look, in, uh, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Listen, I am not a professional public speaker. And you say, well, that's obvious, Brother Mark. Uh, it's true. Amen. Uh, I didn't start, I didn't preach my first term, sermon until I was 46 years old. And so I got a late start on this. And the unfortunately, preaching is like a lot of things. The only way you get better is you got to do it. That means some people got to suffer with you while you get better at it. Amen. And so I'm here to tell you, I am not the world's greatest speaker. I will never proclaim to be the world's greatest speaker. But for whatever reason, God called me to do this. And I'm just trying to do the best I can. Amen. But I will tell you one thing, the spirit of God is what I'm relying on. I'm not relying on how educated or how knowledgeable I am. I'm relying on the power of God to do something with me. Believe me, if I would quit, I could. About every Monday morning, the preacher wants to quit. I can guarantee you, ask any preacher in town. If he had a good Sunday, then he's going to stay on for another week. Had a bad Sunday, he's ready to quit every Monday after that. Amen. But that, and that's just natural. But here's the thing. I can't run from it. God has called me and I've tried to run from it and God is good at catching you and I will say this God will just keep on and he says Mark you don't have to be the best Mark I don't need you to be Billy Graham there was only one Billy Graham I need you to be Mark Trammell and I just need you to be faithful and do what I tell you to do and that's all you and I are called to do if God calls you to it be faithful to it and stick it out all right uh, Acts oh I'm sorry Revelation 21 uh, one through five, and I'll be done. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea, giving you a look into heaven. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. There will be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. Mm. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I just gave you a little bitty glimpse into heaven. That's why you and I need to get off the bench. That's why you and I need to get off the bench. And you don't need to worry about anything else being persecuted. You don't need to worry about who's sitting in the White House. You don't need to worry about any of that. You need to say, God, whatever the situation is, you have put it there and I need to be bold and step up to it. All right. Put the last slide up there. Because you may say, well, what if I tell my loved ones about Jesus and they make fun of me or get offended? They will. They will. You'll be the holy roller or the holy Joe, or they'll make fun of you. Or, uh, they may get offended. Well, how dare you talk to me about Jesus? Uh, what if I don't tell them about Jesus and they miss eternity he in heaven and they spend eternity separated from God in hell? Now, understand this. And this is just the reality. Everybody wants to read about heaven in the Bible, but nobody wants to read about hell. But guess what? They're both in the Bible. They're both in there. And you know what the most terrible part about hell is? It's not the fire, it's not the worms, it's not all that other stuff it describes. The worst part about heaven, it says, is that you are eternally separated from God. So here's the reality. Everybody in this room, I want you to look at me because this is how I'm going to end. Julie, you can go ahead and come. 
everybody look at me. Everybody in this room, you're going to live for eternity. Everybody in this room, you are going to live forever. Everybody in this room is going to live forever. If you believe the Bible, you believe it's the word of God, it says everybody in this room is going to live forever. But here's the scary part. Everybody in this room is going to live in one of two places for eternity, heaven or hell. That's what the Bible says. If you don't believe it, take it and throw it in the trash can. But if you believe it, that's what the Bible says, that we will live for eternity in one place or the other. And we're worried about our loved ones getting offended with us or making fun of us. That shouldn't make any difference in the world. Amen. Do you love your loved ones? They're called loved ones for a reason. Well, if you really love them, then you don't want them to spend eternity in hell. And it's not because you're holier than thou or because you think you're better than them. It's because you love them. Amen. I want all my family to go to heaven because I love them. It's not that I think I'm holier than them. It's not that I think I'm better than them. It's that I love you and I know Jesus is my way to heaven and I want you to go there with me. Amen. You would bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today, I always want to give an opportunity because you may say, well, I'm not really a, a strong witness because maybe you're not even sure of where you stand. And I want to tell you today, uh, Jesus is always as close as a prayer away. So if you're here today and you would say, Mark, I'm not sure if I were to die right now, whether I'd go to heaven or hell. I'm not sure what my relationship is with the Lord right now. Uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not sure. Well, guess what? You can know because he is as close as a prayer away. Amen. So if you would, pray this prayer with me. If you would, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you and you say, I'm not sure of, uh, of where I am with the Lord, pray this prayer in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I admit to you, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. And so right now, Lord, the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save me. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed, I wouldn't want to embarrass anybody, but if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, or maybe you did it as a recommitment to the Lord because you've uh, wandered away from the Lord, would you just slip up a hand? Anybody? All right. By that testimony, everybody in here knows the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior. How many of you would say today, Brother Mark, I need to be more bold in my witness, and I need to be stronger, and I need to step up and just be more bold? Would you just raise a hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. All right. Father, we love you. I thank you for your love for us, Father. I thank you and I praise you for everything going on. Lord, in our country, in our world, Lord, it seems like everything's a mess. But God, we understand you're on the throne. And God, if anything else right now, we need to be more bold than we've ever been in our lives. The church needs to stand up and we need to be more bold than we've ever been in our lives, Father God. We praise you and we thank you for this time together. Make us a more bold witness, Lord, for your glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen.